Jesse Douglas Smith McGraw, and this is What Moves You with Jesse. I'm a transformative coach on a mission to share an understanding of how our minds work that challenges how we react to life and our thoughts. I love to share stories and common sense ideas that empower you to take charge of yourself in a way that brings immediate and profound change. What I know to be true is that we are all innately healthy and doing our best with the thinking we have available to us on a moment-to-moment basis. And waking up to this will change what moves you. I'm so happy you're here. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to What Moves You with Jesse. Today, I am joined by a dear friend of mine who is not only an incredibly accomplished entertainer and artist, but he is also one of the wisest, most compassionate, and down-to-earth folks I am so lucky to know and share with you. His resume will leave me breathless, (laughs) but some highlights include the TV series Fame, playing the role of Angel in the smash hit musical Rent in the first and second national tour, as well as Broadway. He's danced for Paula Abdul and Reba McIntyre in an endless amount of television and music video appearances that you have surely danced along to. And here's the deal for this upcoming conversation. With all of his accomplishments aside, What was most important for me to dive into with him so you could experience what I get to is his perspective on life. It is refreshing, full of common sense, and inspiring beyond belief. I attempted to edit it down to make it an hour. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't have done the editing, but anyhow, you get the saying, you get what I mean. But every single minute of this conversation will make you reflect. So I kept it all in. So without further ado, I introduce to you, Sean Earl. Hi, Sean. Hey, long time no see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It is an absolute honor to have somebody that I have admired and looked up to and appreciated as a friend in my life for what I figured out this morning is actually 10 years now that we have been in each other's lives. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to have you back too, because you've been you know, trying to be a grown up, being an agent and all that. So we hadn't seen you in a while. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I was, I left the scene. Um, Before we jump in, I did want to tell the world and you probably why I wanted you on. For the, for the listeners that can't see him, Sean is always <laughs> prepped for the camera. So he had a, he had a lovely smile moment. Um, so Sean, ever since the very first day that I took class with Helene Phillips, who is your dear friend and had became a mentor of mine, um, you have been, and I have watched you repeat this behavior over and over again with so many folks. You are just this wide open heart 
and so welcoming and um, warm with everybody that crosses your path. You make everybody feel at home who is in your ether. It doesn't matter if you know them or not. I have seen complete strangers come to class and you just bring them right in as if they are your little brother or your little sister. It is so sweet to watch. Um, And over time, as we've had more social engagements that doesn't have to do with the dance class, um, I have so much admiration for what, how you see people and how you experience life yourself. There's a lot about what I talk about on this podcast about how people can get in their own way and you really embody what it looks like to be somebody who's conscious and aware. I have, you know, this is why I brought you on to have more of a deeper conversation about this. Cause I I'm assuming you have the same kind of self-awareness in yourself, but the way that you even see that other people can get caught up in themselves and you immediately click into compassion and understanding and see past the baloney that they are getting their themselves caught up in. Um, I think is a really big gift that is part of why you make people feel at home so quickly. Um, So I just, I knew that having you on would not only be a gift for myself to go deeper into your experience of life, but also to share you with, with my listeners and to everybody that pays attention to this podcast, because you truly embody the understanding of life and the experience of life that I have started to realize for myself in the last, you know, five years or so, um, of recognizing how much that, you know, my own beliefs and my own made up ideas about life and of myself have been the reason that I've gotten caught up in the past. And I'm, you know, um, And that's how I help people now is for them to start to see that and understand that in a deeper way so that they don't have to experience it as often. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story. And on top of all of that, I, you know, I'm sure if we were in a room full of artists and performers, dancers and actors and singers alike, Everybody knows who Sean Earl is and the fact that you are the energizer bunny that just keeps on going. And it is just, it's so wonderful to have you here. So thank you. My pleasure. It's weird. You don't know how people see you and everything that you're saying isn't something that I'm intentionally thinking people are seeing because I'm just, you know, I am president. I'm living my life, but I don't know what people's interpretation is, you know, of me, because people can read things differently. You even said brother and sister. I make them feel that way, as opposed to some people think my kindness could be flirting or coming on to them, you know what I mean? And I don't even operate that way to know, but then I'm not like, oh, they're probably projecting because that's how they flirt, (laughs) you know, because I've been called that. And I'm like, really? Because I didn't get their number. Like nothing happened (laughs) after I did, you know, and then I think too, because I like, I've always liked shiny people as a kid. And my mother, I, I, I can't even say, well, I read this book and then that's why I'm this way. You know, I like my mother was always like Sean, because I was open to the world as a child. And she 
never put fear in me in the sense of, especially the way things now from molestation to kidnapping, like whatever. It was just the awareness that everything isn't pretty. So just be cautious. But she was raising a man. I'm an only child without the dad. So when she, she didn't want me to not live. She would just always say, without being specific, if someone does something, if you're at the park and you're hanging out, get the biggest stick and scream out loud. But I never knew the specifics of what those things could be. And she didn't want to cage me because she knows that I have to live life. So things that were knowledgeable now, especially how bad it is, it was different. But she would always say, there is danger, so be mindful. You know, she said, you probably make friends with them too. You know, kidnapper. <laughs> but it's just you know, that there is. So I always, even though it looks like I'm skipped to move my darling, I... I do pay attention to the energy, it, you know, as far as I, I keep the discernment going, you know, I'm not like blissfully blind with encounters and people and energy, you know what I mean? But it's just been a fun way to live because I am an only child and every day it feels like I've been going outside to play and I don't know what's going to happen and who I'm going to meet. And it's just, it's fun. And the interactions that I've had and the experiences I've had with people, it tops my career because my career has been great. I've been blessed, but people made my life so much more fun. When you dare to meet people and get beyond the surface because people try to judge and size people up in a second, you know, because of the way they're drawn. There's so many wonderful surprises and experiences you can have with people if you don't limit yourself. And people just kind of limit it to like the three remaining high school friends and then the constant search for their soulmate, if you will, or their, their significant other. And they miss out on everything else because they try to force the direction instead of just watering the seed and seeing what it really naturally develops into instead of making it a watermelon and you're mad because it comes out a kumquat. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's always been fun for me to see the surprises and not force the direction because life is so hard so if anybody just texts me to check on me to see how I'm doing, that's a blessing because no one owes us anything. So when you meet people where they are and accept what they give you without the guilt and with all the other stuff, it's just a smoother way and an easier way of living, you know, and everything else is so hard. So at least when it's dealing with people, you can make that as easy as possible, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, Sean, oh my God. I think we could hang up. That was... <laughs> You just gave, gave 10 mic drop moments. You have no idea. So, um, okay. So this is, I knew this would happen. I could go 10 directions with you, but first you, you just served me up a really great point. You said, you know, cause people can size you up a certain way and that's their own experience that they're coming from. Correct. So they don't know you, they have no example of anything. So when they're instantly putting their judgment or their whatever reasoning or whatever, even parents, different people do that to different people. I lived with my grandma that she told me what I was thinking. And I'm like, where did you come up with that? And when they're old school and you're going to get in trouble for it, I had to defend myself. And then you're defensive. So I learned even with that, that alone had me open to the world differently than the way you could be parented because parents aren't even right. They're trying to get it right. But old school people put themselves on a pedestal to be right. 
my mother told me, I don't know what I'm doing. I had sex. That's how you got here. And I didn't realize that I was an old soul, nor did I know I was an alien and all that, even as a kid. So my mother's like, and I really need you to tell me what's going on in that head of yours, because I don't know. Help me help you. We're going to get it right. It wasn't to be right. It was So I, my mother humanized the parent experience. But when she died, I saw my grandmother do the old school way. So I had to realign her because we're not going to you're not gonna read my mind incorrectly. And then I have to suffer the consequences of how you just made up something, you know what I mean? So when I got into the world and saw that a lot of people do that to people, and then they're like carrying the anxiety of something that they made up. I'm like, really, you're having a fight by yourself? You just made that a whole fight all by yourself? You know what I mean? You didn't even ask them what they meant by something. You're gonna tell them what they meant, but they're gone now. You're telling me about what you thought they meant, how you received something, and they're having the best time of their life. You're carrying this whole story that you made up. And it can be a complete misunderstanding. So I'm always open for misunderstanding. I'm always Mr. Benefit of the Doubt to probably a fall. Because sometimes people want you to get on that ride and be negative or be like, yeah, girl, because he was, you know. You know, be like, and I'm always like, even if it's Helene and Danny, I'm like, what did you do before that, though? I want to know the whole story. Because usually people are so smart. They're yelling at the screen when they're doing a, seeing a movie. Yes. Damn, yeah, they, they see the whole thing. And I'm like... You got to watch your movie (laughs) or create a good one. Yes. Your own script. You know what I mean? Because I see people so smart when it comes to films and looking at that. And then I see them in their own movie. I'm like, boo, I saw that on Young and the Restless. You're in this situation. Like, really? And then I find it humorous because I'm thinking people are in control of the people that they have in their lives and their choices that they make with people. Because some people are committed to something when it's dramatic, when you they're not even dealing with sharing the mortgage or the kids and blah, 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 especially when they're forcing a relationship. Yeah. I'm like, you can leave anytime you want to and you're complaining about it and you're crying. But most people carry the war wounds and they compare the other war wounds to what does the lead in? And then that becomes their commonality, but they don't leave. They don't, they don't make themselves happy by making the choice to make heaven on earth. And that was something I vowed to do at an early age, just because what you saw what happened in 2020 and all that and the consciousness and the awareness that everybody's having now and the wokeness, my mother had to prep me and have the black person talk, the black man talk when I was little. It all manifested big for 2020, but those are the things I was prepared for. And I'm like, really? So you had sex and brought me here to this and that's going to be my reality because I'm black and I'm this. no. So I put my rose-colored glasses on at a very early age. She kept me conscious of what's going on. But me living in a life or in this bubble to feel defeated or to feel inferior, to feel all these things that she said, that's how people will view me. I just didn't want, I'm not going to live my life dead. I'm not going to live my life in fear. And I'm not going to live my life hating people for your ancestors and what they did. All that stuff. She wanted me to be aware, but I didn't think it was fair to be mad at my friends at school because I saw roots. Because she made me watch it because she knew that I was in Disneyland in my mind. But yeah. I was like, but mom, the kids at school, they didn't. Depend. I feel more bad for them that that's what their ancestors did as opposed to me being mad at you. You know, because ignorance is ignorance. <laughs> and yeah. I thought that was unfortunate, but I just never had that thing to keep it. I just want, we all have a fair shot to make this place work. And it's, we're defying gravity, swimming against the current the whole time. So my process has been easier for my sake. I'm just glad that you noticed it or different people that get on it, but it's just an easier way to live for me. 
And I think when people are extremely negative or they're catty or they're continuously talking, they get something out of it. So a lot of times I might not interject when I'm seeing that just fueling them specifically. Because yeah. people want to have that shade moment in the entertainment. They want to have that shade moment and talk about both. And usually I'm like quietly knowing that you're just mad because you don't have that gig and you're, you want that choreographer job. And you're, so then it makes you feel good to know that they're not nice choreographers or, you know, whatever they're fueling because everybody's going to have a bad story about someone. I don't have to benefit of the doubt every time, but it's always some room for misunderstanding. And when you said that I have the compassion and the whole other thing, I think there's just more to it. I don't think, I'm more fascinated. I, my friend sees me because I'm always like, really, you met someone mean? Like, but they were mean. You know what I mean? Because if I'll read into it, I'll know it's insecurity. I'll know it's this or that. And I can dissect it differently. So it's not, I'm not taking it on. So my friends will try to challenge me with the story. Like, no, Sean, this person was really, you know, and I laugh because I want to play that on TV. Like, I really want to be a it's not in me. So I just want to be in a movie. I want to be on TV, like a show where I'm just the mean one. So yeah. like, but my friends knowing that I, not saying it doesn't exist, but because I seem to find a way to soften it or understand it or turn it around. And I'm not literally trying. That's just how I'm analyzed after. Because I'm usually the one going against the grain when everyone wants to be negative about it or be mad at the waitress. Yes. They're mad at her because she just, they, she didn't give them a parade when they said something cute. And I'm like, did you know what happened at table three? You know, she got a phone call before that, you know, about her son. I was like, you don't know what's going on. And you're mad because she didn't throw you a parade because you went boom, boom, and said a little joke, you know, why she's taking the order. Like, really? Like, there's so much more to it. So sometimes it can be irritating. So I try to pace it. <laughs> like, I'm sweet, probably purebred and everything, sunshine and rainbows. And I'm like, no. Because a lot of times I see things when they are complaining about the person way before they do. And then they're surprised about that. And they're like, and you're so nice. Like, you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's a choice. Yeah. It is a choice. It kind of, it reminds me of, I had, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Homeboy Industries and Father Greg, who started it, Father Greg Boyle. It's, it's visual, but I. Okay. Have- yes. Um so uh, it is the largest Greg uh, gang rehabilitation center, but you might've even seen them like they make chips and salsas and those get sold in the store. So you might've seen that on yeah, that level. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. As long as it's food related, Sean knows. Yes. But um, it reminds me of, uh, we had this conversation. He was on the podcast last season and I, uh, we were, we were discussing always knowing that there is good in every single person. It's just that they are distracted by all, you know, he calls it the thorn underneath, you know, or, but exactly what you're talking about, you know, distracted by all of their experiences, the Disneyland in their mind that is keeping them away from just that goodness being the thing that radiates hundred percent of the time. And it sounds to me like without much efforting, that's exactly kind of how you, that's, that's the lens you see people through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes it easier for sure. You don't yeah. have to fight. You don't have to, I usually, if I'm, cause I'm not a therapist, I'm not anything, but just the things that have worked for me, especially when, when it's cliche, like love conquers all and love, you know, that whole thing. I do think that I have been blessed with the capacity to love, but I think with that, because what you're saying, I go to the compassionate side or, Whatever, because I never really, I think the more people talk about me to me, (laughs) then I'm like, because I'm not really analyzing my process. It's just, 
now I'm forced to think about it and break it down, but I do go to compassion and I want to understand. And I don't think I've never lived my life thinking people were out to get me to take it on, especially when you're a complete stranger. You mean, even when I was little in elementary, like I know I was probably sunshiny or whatever, but I might just be concentrating. I'm not always, I'm not bouncing off the walls. I'm not obnoxious, but I just know I, I didn't realize the energy that people need from me, even at that age. So if I'm like just a little off or in concentration mode or whatever, they're just like, are you okay? Or like, did I do something wrong? Are you mad at me? And I'm like, how are they taking this on? And I didn't know how to articulate it in elementary, but I'm like, how did they think they did something to me that I'm unaware of? So I'm like, did you do something that I'm not aware of? Because why would I be mad at you? But that was an early seed planet of how people take things personally to see how I see how the world operates when it literally, because there's books and the four agreements and did it, all these things. I've given people things like that. And they're like, you read this book because you follow everything. I'm like, no, I just heard song on Oprah. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> and they're like, but you do what the book says. That's how, because they were observing me, like you said. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And they're always talking about, you don't take it personal. You don't, but, and I'm like, oh, but I, and I think that's logic to me, but I didn't know they wrote about it. But even with the self-help books and all that, I'm in line with it, not knowing because I haven't read them, you know, or, and then people were telling me that I'm doing that or think that I have read them because of my actions. But I just was so observant and took things in at such a young age that when I see how people, if you're not, if you're not stopped at an early age and you just continue, and if you're with family that does that and they don't communicate and it, it just keeps going. But I'm like looking at a whole world of people that just want to be mad. And now with council culture and everything like that, I'm like, you're going to do have discernment on what someone's intentions were from a text. And now I always want to know what people's intentions are. Yeah. It's intention based in my mind. Like, why do I want to think that someone meant harm? If they mean harm, they'll let you know. If they stand by something, if I was Ku Klux Klan to whatever, they know what they stand by. But I want to believe that even if it sound that way, you didn't mean it. I mean, our best humor is misunderstanding. That's we write TV shows about it. When the aunt says something crazy or whatever off the wall, we laugh at that because it's safe. But sometimes it's so wrong, it makes me laugh because I think they cannot believe that that's, that they had the intention for it to sound the way it sounds. That's my humor sometimes more than me like, what? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not ready to fight. I'm just not. I, let's eat. <laughs> it tastes better. You know what I mean? But it's like people are in fight mode all the time. And it feels like I'm trying to extinguish fires. I mean, even, and I carry, like, I think the new word is empath. So I guess I am. I can be with someone that's an anxious driver. And I have a friend who I always say, you're smart because you ask questions. And you ask questions that I don't even think to ask. But they say when you ask questions, that's why you are. And maybe I might know already or I don't care to know, but my friend, like, he prides himself on knowledge, right? And he will just be cussing people out, driving. And they'll make a mistake. They might be slowing down. They might, but I know every scenario of a mistake, not even a mistake if someone's driving slow. I've driven slow. Like, I'm thinking, you're mad at something because you've never done these things before? As a driver, wow, <laughs> done them all. I can't be mad. You know what I mean? I'm like, really? You've never like slowed down for the address? 
And I mean, there's so many reasons. So sometimes I'm even taking up for people. They don't even hear me. I'm like, they're, because they're looking. They're, they're like, well, there's people in front of them. That's why you, you don't see the people. I'm like literally defending strangers. They don't even see me. Yeah. Because I'm carrying them being mad at someone. And I want them to know that that wasn't. Because <sighs> he just got to be wild. And then sometimes I'm being playful. I'm like, they can't hear you. You're yelling at me. Like, I just play around. But I just <laughs> see people in such constant fight mode. And I don't know why I care so much to put out the fire because in my mind I'm at peace, but I don't, then I'm like mad at, that they're not at peace. So then I'm trying to make them understand or look at it differently so they won't feel mad. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. Well, and I've been around you and, yeah. I, and when I've been around you on those, making those comments about different things. And it's so wonderful because I understand what you're, I totally understand what you mean because you immediately diffuse and I, I tend, I relate because I tend to do the same. <laughs> yeah, you immediately diffuse where they're, where they have gone in their head. They have because they've completely disappeared to a world that's not their reality. Yeah, fight motor, taking it personal. Or, so everybody, I always call now. Everyone is on because of social media and Twitter, blah blah blah. I think there's people waiting, and they're they're a group called I'm Insulted.com. <laughs> Whether they're black, gay, straight, Jewish, you know, whatever. They're waiting. Waiting for someone to make a comment. I'm insulted. You know what I mean? They're just ready. I'm insulted.com. It is so irritating. <laughs> it's like, why do you want to believe that that's what they meant? Like, you know what I mean? It was just something written. There's so many ways to, mis- to, to, to interpret it, you know? And I'm like, that's the first place they go. Yeah. That's the first place they go. Well, here's the thing that just stood out with what you just said. You said, why would you want to interpret it that way? Isn't that interesting how we automatically, most of us, I'll say, automatically interpret things in such a painful, suffering way for ourselves Mm -hmm. when, like you said, 99.99% of the time, it likely wasn't even intended that way because if it was, it'd be very clear and obvious. Yeah. And I would own it if I meant exactly what I said, how you, I want you to know. So that's why I want to, even there's confrontations, who, who wants confrontation? There's people that are confrontational, but it's not fun. So I, taking it back to my grandmother to be misunderstood, that made me sensitive to that because she was like not even close to being correct about me, whatever she interpreted. So then carrying that, knowing my face reads different than whatever, you don't know what I'm thinking. My mother would be like, what are you thinking? Because I could be... My cousin used to get in trouble because he would be laughing because I've always been funny to people, but I'm like private funny because I kind of relate on the way their humor is. But my cousin used to crack up at me and he would be in trouble and he would get in more trouble because he's laughing because his mind would switch off to something that I did. And his mother's interpreting it like you're laughing. You mean like you're laughing at me? And he's like, Sean, you got me in trouble because I was laughing at the time when blah, 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 blah happened. It was at the wrong time when my mother's yelling at me, but that's what came to mind while she was yelling at me. You mean? And so she's taking it that way. He's in trouble. She's in a position of authority. However, I've known that I can be misunderstood. Thankfully, I was in a situation with my mom where she communicated and she didn't put herself on the parental pedestal. However, I got to live a life that she led with her mom when she died to see exactly why she had a bleeding ulcer by the time she had me because you're shut down. 
they're right. Shut up. That whole shut, 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 shut. I'm right. You're wrong. You know, you're never too old to learn all that stuff like that. So that, so then going into the world of that, I think I'm sensitive knowing it's room for misunderstanding. I don't want to believe you mean me any harm because if you do, we're not going to be around to talk about it anymore because you're not going to be around me. I'm not going to be around you with my, my, my plates and my, my bulletproof bracelets on. That's too draining. Like if you're in my home or you're in my circle, I want to relax. So, but just off the cuff, it just seems like, I don't know someone in my, they're not in my house in the traffic and whatever, but even when, you know, the cutoff people and you almost like have that moment where we're all freaking out, like, oh my gosh, beep, beep, beep. And you get, of course, excited in the moment because they almost sideswiped you or they went to your lane or whatever. And it's just funny because I've done it. We've all done it. <laughs> so when they do, and then it's fine. I try to make it a point to look at them and smile because they don't know if I'm going to have a gun, because like, you know, there's so much road rage, just to comfort them. Because I'm like, I'm going to do it in the next, on the next freeway. Don't worry. You know what I mean? Like, I just know we're not perfect. We know the blind spots. We know the all, whole thing. So it just makes me amused when people get so irritated. When I'm, That will make me question, like, oh, my gosh, because you've never done that before. And that's what I'll do with my friend. Like, you don't. Make mistakes when you try. Wow. <laughs> fascinating. Because, oh, yeah, you're my smart friend. You know, I'll, I'll make fun and make it humorous, but I'm like, every scenario we've seen. It, that's why I try not to live life in a rush, and that's why I try not to run late. Because everyone's going to make a mistake when you're running late, and you're going to be very, you're going to have a very hard process to go to dance class or wherever you're going. Yeah. So I always parallel that. Yes. And like that way as well. If you're rushing, you're more aggressive towards people that are chill and looking at the view. Yes. And I don't like people to mess up my flow that way either. So I'm usually trying to bring them down to my flow. Yes. To look at the trees. Because Helene, our dear friend, she cries herself in driving fast because that's what her dad does. But there's times where I make her laugh because she'll be like, mm, like speak raising. And then she's not like cussing people out, but she's still aggressive or whatever. I'm like, Helene, we're like an hour early. Just saying, there's no <laughs> rush. There's, we're, not, we're not in a rush. And she'll laugh, you know what I mean? Because she's just, <laughs> and you can see from class, like she's getting older and more assertive and critical and quick and impatient as opposed to like chilling. So I'm like, poor Danny, you know what I mean? <laughs> Her husband, yes. Like she's doing one-arm push-ups, you know what I mean? Like, and he's like chilling, you know what I mean? They've earned that. You know what I mean? So just that's the comedic version because she's just like wired that way quickly. Yes. But I'm always like. Yes. Yes. And the process of all that is going to happen when it happens. When people pride themselves and they label themselves as I'm very impatient and they wear it and they live it. I'm like, that's unfortunate because you're still going to have to wait. <laughs> There's never going to be a time where you're not going to have to wait. So really, you want to own that or you're going to work on that because you're going to be mad at me driving because I'm enjoying the view because you're impatient. And most people that are that way are the ones that are running late all the time. <laughs> yes. So like you're wreaking havoc on my life and making me have a bad day because you're running late and you're going to own being impatient. <laughs> yeah. so you, know I mean? you are pointing out how we make up so much about ourselves. And then that's the thing that stresses us out. And we can't help but look out at the world thinking that that's 
that's what's making us feel a certain way. But you're like, no, it's what you're making up about life that's making you feel a certain way. And then right. that's what's coming out and spewing into your life. Yeah. Because even if I'm wrong, guess who had a good day? Right. If someone was really out to get me or someone really had bad intentions and they're still off of their own world. They're not in my house. Guess who had a better day than you? You did. Yes. 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 They were like, Sean likes everything. Sean, yeah, all that. I'm like, my life is so much easier. Sean likes all the movies. I'm like, yep. I see something good in the movies. Cause they're like, sometimes they're like, don't believe in Sean. Cause he likes everything. I'm like, including you. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but like, think about that. <laughs> Those details. But yeah. Um, I'm like, I have noticed cause I'm around people that whether it's critical theater people or musicians or blah, 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 blah. I know when something's bad, but when I say something's good, I'm not giving it an A plus. So it seems like it's either an A or an F. So some people say something was bad. Now, it seems like now if it's a movie or if it's whatever, people have pride. It's almost like they're smart. Like I walked out because it was just so, I'm like, well, then you didn't see it. Yeah. Because you don't know what happened in its entirety. You know, it's kind of like, if someone actually took the time to get to know you versus what their impression of you was in the beginning and they walked out, they will miss out on that blessing too. If you have anything to offer, you know what I mean? So like, I, I don't think I've walked, it could have been maybe one movie I've walked out of. But I'm not sure. I really want to know what you had to show me and yeah. see the whole thing from an opinion. But when I come out saying it was good or I liked it, some people think I'm giving it a plus. I'm like, no, that was a C or was a, but it was not horrible. And when people say things are horrible, I'll point out all the good things in the movie. It'll be like, oh, well, that part. I was like, oh, well, then that was. I was like, oh, but how could you say you didn't like it? Because those were parts that I liked about it that I liked. Yes. So it seemed yes. like it's even in to be critical or not like. Even on that level, it's weird. So yes. I feel like I'm just in this world or this Disney bubble or this heaven on earth where no one wants to play because you're outnumbered by other people that kind of co-sign on the other level. Yes. So that's what made me start going in questioning what we're talking about because I never analyzed myself or thought, why, why? I don't have to go to therapy to ask why. You know, I made a choice to make heaven on earth, but I sincerely do see the beauty in, in things and whatever. And I still know if it's lackluster beauty versus, you know, but I still see things. I still see features. I still see... And someone will just look like, oh, the pants. And then, you know, they'll cut, they just cut things off so quickly. And it's just like, what a shame. Cause I've gotten to experience so much more by delving in and enjoying it. Or see someone intimidating on the street and find out that they're a teddy bear. But you would think they're stuck up or thought this. I mean, and even with me in my entertainment field and the credits that I've accumulated, first of all, I don't walk down the street thinking someone saw a video. So I'm not pumped up because you saw a video that paid me $3 in the first place. <laughs> you know what I mean? When they thought more higher than it was. Highly of the situation or the position that they put me in. But I would always get, oh my God, I thought you were going to be stuck up when I first met you because they knew my credits. I didn't walk up to them thinking that they knew them. But then it's uttered, to my surprise, you actually reached out and gave me a hug and you're so friendly. And, you're going, and it's like, oh, well, I'm so glad that I was friendly and not shy. Because you already thought something bad about me. It's, that's the immediate thing first. That's yes. immediate. So I'm like, but I've been in the same situation where I was doing a commercial in Japan for Nissan Datsun. It was like the secret car. And Sawada-san was the, the star at the time. He was like the singer. 
And it was a base there. I didn't know about, that was my first time out of the country, but there was a, a base. So we had a lot of American and different people from Germany all over that spoke English that were the extras for the commercial. And for me, I'm in Japan and there was just all these colorful people and the energy and just being another part of the world, of course, that just set me on fire. And there's so many people to talk to and meet and all that. And I was accessible and all that. And I don't know what extras thought of themselves versus the dancers and Shabadoo was in it and all these other people, right? So I didn't know there was a level, but of course I'm considered nice because I'm speaking to people, but it's because I want to, not because I want you to think I'm nice. I'm interested in reading your book. So it's not an effort for me to think that I'm being something for you not to think anything. We're all here as a team making this happen, you know? But my friend, Michelle Whitney Morrison, beautiful. And especially back in the flash dance days, she had the, the Jennifer Bills look because she was mulatto and the curly hair and the whole, but just stunning, right? And she's a shyer person. And she will literally stay up underneath me or do whatever, but she's not sunshine and rainbows unless you get to know her and then she'll brighten your life with her smile and all that, but she's not Sean. So they're like, oh my God, you're so kind or whatever, but she's a, and they actually called her a bitch and they pointed at her. And I'm like, who? I'm like, why did you say that? They said, because she didn't say hi. And I was like, oh, so she ignored you when you said hi? And they're like, no, I didn't say hi. I was like, so she's here right now, innocent, not even knowing that you're even thinking about her. And you called her a bitch. You're like, but you're friendly. I was like, because I'm friendly. But I didn't know that you had an opinion about anything other than I wanted to get to know you or talk to you. She's shy. She's painfully shy. But you're going to call her a bitch. And she doesn't even know that you want to talk to her. She doesn't even know that we're talking about her right now. And she earned the title bitch. That's so interesting. Michelle! Come here! <laughs> That's Daniel. And then because she was with me, they're like, oh, you know? But that's how people count. And think that we were younger, people carry that on for the rest of their lives. Yes. No one's selling them otherwise because there are people that think the same way. Yes, yes, yes. It's crazy. Yes. So I was, even then I wasn't, I wanted, I was interested because I asked the question, not, I didn't really even defend. It was like, why do you think that? I want to know the story. And the story's dumb. They're, you're like, she's supposed to just hide you out of nowhere. You know what I mean? But they don't even listen to themselves. And yes. that's really realizing people don't even live consciously or even make sense. They're not even hearing themselves talk. <laughs> well, and like you, you've even said, you said earlier, you said it's just common sense. And a lot of what we're talking about here, to me, it's so it, it makes me giggle on the inside because, and I hope everyone listening is feeling the same way because truly the way you're, the way that you're sharing, Sean, it's like, there's no there's no room for anything other than what you're saying makes a hundred percent sense. And why do we do anything otherwise, <laughs> you know, but it, cause it's true. We get so it's because of all of the mental gymnastics we get caught up into. And if it's insecurities and all that, blah, blah, blah. People that are insecure know that they're insecure. So then you say, because I'm insecure, this is what I'm feeling. <laughs> But why do the insecure people make all of us pay for it? <laughs> and they come insecure. They come packaged that way, but then we have to suffer for it. I see people take on people that are insecure. They'll take on a relationship. 
to change them. I'm like, nope, you, you bought them at the store insecure. <laughs> so how are you going to enjoy a relationship that way? The, the relationship is going to be you trying to make them not insecure. You're not being boyfriend or girlfriend. You're literally trying to make them, <laughs> you're going to be the face of the person that's not going to do what her ex did, but she's making you pay the price of what her ex did the whole time. So you're not enjoying the fruits of the relationship. You're literally overcompensating, dimming your light and doing all these things to not make this person feel insecure. So they're, they're not even exercising to grow. Yes. They're not dealing with themselves. Yes. You have to compensate for them to not feel insecure and not hang out with your friends anymore, not do those things that that'll make her feel that way. So I always see them giving in to the person that they're supposed to be helping so the fire doesn't start. And so no, they, they don't win. Then they end up breaking up or whatever it is for the same reason why they brought them in the first place. So it's just weird. But when you're that person, if you're jealous, if you're whatever, then you know why you're feeling this way. So then why are you making us pay for it? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I think you said something. And then right after I comment this, I want to, I'm going to pivot a little bit, but I think you said something so important where you said, you know, they buy them at the store that way and do their best to try to change them. Yeah. But the reality is, is that they're doing the person a disservice because then they don't end up pick, taking responsibility for their own behavior because you're sitting there dimming your light, trying to fit the puzzle piece. And then there's no, there, there's no kind of break to their own fourth wall of reality. No, they find people to just enable that dysfunction and they get to be insecure. And that person gets to be impatient. So they have all these labels that they get to live by that we have to suffer for. <laughs> I'm like, no, you work that out. Work that out because you're going to have to wait. Yeah. Work it out and then come back because I, yeah. I saw a glimmer in there I'd like to be around. But I'll yeah. wait. But I'm not paying for that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Or I won't take you on as my partner, my soulmate. And you're not gonna disrupt my life that way. No, I can love you, but not you're not. I'm not taking you in on my like not that way. You're not prepared. People take on souls that are disturbed that way, like, and and they're affected because of the what comes out of that. And I'm like, but because and usually when they're extremely attractive, too, people have the most patience for beautiful people versus <laughs> someone that's not. So they want so bad for that to work because it's wrapped a certain way. And like you said, the disservice, when people are unable to not grow beyond that because people are attracted to the model or to this or to that, blah, 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 blah. They come out of it really thinking that they're in a relationship when I'm like, no, you had a pet. <laughs> that was yeah. so They weren't able to service you in a relationship. They weren't able to give you 50-50. You were breastfeeding the whole time or you were, you know, whatever. You're, you weren't getting anything out of it other than the reward of hopefully making your bride a Frankenstein <laughs> to turn out the way you wish it would be to rescue, to save, or and it, it happens with men or women, like vice versa. Everyone wants to take on a project. If I take on a project, I still need a vehicle. If I'm going to buy a car, that's a Corvette Stingray. That's my dream car because of the body. I don't even know to this day what the engine does, but I love them. Best believe I'm going to have another vehicle that's going to make sure I get to where I need to go. And then I will play around and play with the paint and build and make sure the engine's good. But people don't do that with people. They put 
diving head first, put their blood, soul, heart, and then they're so invested, they can't leave because then they don't want to believe that all that money they put into it, they think, okay, it, just a radiator. They put a radiator that it'll be complete. You know, so they're building that person, hoping that one last thing. And I'm like, no, you need to come to me complete because we're two different human beings in general. And there's going to be conflict just from that working that out. But come to me whole. I'm not going to be your leg because I have an arm and I'm not, we're not doing the completing thing. We're going to add to each other's lives, but not the completing. That sounds romantic, <laughs> but it's down. Even if you think if it really is that, is that really romantic? Cause I'm visual. And so I'm not going to be attracted to you because you have two arms, but you have, my, I have legs. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's do this. Yes. Let's do this. But I'm not going to leave it now because they need my arms. You can use my arms. Yes. I didn't grow my own. You're my arms. So even if you take me through whatever, I'm like, I need the arms though. And then you're not going to let me go because I need you need the You know what I mean? So that's why people kind of stay in these bad situations because they don't come as whole people. You know what I mean? And so when you're in life and you see people being certain ways, you realize, oh, they're just not there yet. Or they're, you don't have to be mad. You don't have to take it on because it's harder when it's grownups because we think they should know better. Yeah. So people are harder on grownups because they should know better. But I'm like, that's just a seven-year-old in a 30-year-old body. So if you see that, you're not going to pitch a fit and puff up and fight them on that level because they're so grown. People want to go in. And I'm like, no, that's just a seven-year-old. And no one talks. Sometimes their parents don't even teach them. They got away with everything. And then they finally get into real life and hear no. Yes. And now they're seven. <laughs> that was the first time. <laughs> so yes. that might be my patience with people. I have fun with people knowing that as well because you will be disciplined with Uncle Sean. You ain't gonna get away with it. Or I've enabled, I've made people, I wanted to see how far they thought their looks could take them because I'm kind and I'm drawn in a way where I'm not intimidating in the sense of like, I'm gonna, you know, beat you up or whatever. Some people think I'm intimidating with my stature because of my credits, but you don't just see me at the mall and you're intimidated by Sean. You know what I mean? You're like, you wanna, I'm treated like a doll, you know? Yes. <laughs> you know, me up and squeeze me, you know? So, so not that way, but you know what I mean? Like on an intimidating level. But it's, just been fun because of my kindness to see how far they people have a tendency to see how far they can take you or test you or try you so on some levels people have thought that they had me wrapped around their little pinky and then when it gets to a point where they get too cocky or too comfortable with it then i'll pull the carpet from underneath them and then show them my keys let them know i've been driving the whole time this is my car I had you on my lap. I let you steer a little bit, but I'm driving this. You know, and they're like dumbfounded, <laughs> completely dumbfounded. So when you're in control and if you're living your life, paying attention and seeing things in a calm space, you don't have to go crazy. You're, you create the narrative and you make it fun. Yes. And then you're also teaching because people get mad and yell or whatever, but no one's growing from it. When you pull the mirror out and you show them, I like growth. I want it to not happen ever again. I want us to get better for it. Not, I said the last word and I let them have it and buy and touche. Like, no, no, no one learned anything from it. They're, they're going to do that to somebody else next time. Yep. They're going to think they were in a relationship when they weren't. They were, you breastfed them. And now, because maybe the sex was good and that's all they had as their foundation. He thinks he's a man and he's going to go get the next person. No one's learning if you enable and are clear. 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Sean, so turning this kind of on, on its head inside of yourself, as far as the Disneyland's that we can create inside of our minds yes. about other people, we can also do that a lot. And uh, folks might mainly do it a lot about themselves. And that's what ends up stopping them from moving forward and going after what their own wisdom or their own heart hopes and dreams are right because they create this disneyland and i love that we keep using disneyland because that is what it is but it when i'm in terms of what i'm talking about it's kind of the spooky disneyland <laughs> i'm going to go on a mansion yeah yeah so Whatever, yeah what is your personal experience of do you find because you've had this kind of objectivity from such a young age do you find that you don't have as much of the critical voice or do you get that spooky haunted mansion Disneyland in your head and how do you navigate it Yeah for me let's just say my experience has been unique just because as an only child having my like the wonderful world of self amusement I didn't know I had talent. When you're young, we're always learning and we're taking on information. So we can decide what subject we want to take in school. We have to learn sports. We have to learn whatever. So, I mean, you can play a game and someone wins. But as far as the ability of doing things, I never knew that you're special by doing certain things. Because some people call me Forrest Gump or MacGyver or whatever, because in my in my world, if you hear my stories, I was able to adapt to a lot of things in spite of the way I was drawn. There's just a lot of things I was able to do. <laughs> and people still actually find things out later. Like, oh, you do that too. Even with my hair being braided, because I just started doing that, like I do my own hair. Like what? You know me? So like, if you don't know me, and I don't like have a whole list in my mind of things I can do and then ha ha. If life happens and you see, oh, I braid hair, and then I've done people's, I've done girls' hair, and I'm like, don't tell nobody, because I ain't nobody's beautician. Don't give them a number, you know, because I'm just doing yours, you know. I've done my roommates, you know. So there's just a lot of things. So in school, when you're taking on information, whether it's sports or whatever, I could do it. And I, I grew up singing because my mother sang, so it wasn't special because we were singing and harmonizing. So it wasn't like, oh, it wasn't like it was just the two of us. So it wasn't like I was the shining armor because I had my brothers and sisters that couldn't. It was like breathing, you know what I mean? And then when I would see things on TV, I thought I wanted to be everything I saw on TV because I would emulate it, but I didn't realize, oh, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to act like one. So all the things like walking to McDonald's, I wanted to be that, but I was like, oh, I wanted to do the commercial. I grew into learning that I wanted to be an actor on that level. But as far as me emulating, I was always able to emulate whatever that thing was. And so dancing was natural to me in the sense of just, the dance that are out, you know, Soul Train came on every weekend and American Bandstand, whatever, I'm glued to the TV, just learning the steps and doing whatever. So I didn't think that was talent because everyone on Soul Train was doing it. And then your cousins and there's dances that are out, you do it. It wasn't someone that couldn't. So I never, maybe someone can execute better, but I never, I wasn't in an atmosphere where it was competitive. So I didn't. I never really knew that people could be tone deaf or no rhythm or so when the dance craze happened, because my mother was not taking her son, who she's trying to build into a man to somebody's dance class mm. and there weren't things that inspired me to dance the way we're dancing now. Cause those things weren't out. And I didn't even, you saw tutus and ballerinas and things like that. I would emulate a Shanae in my big living room 
And when I really had to do one, I'm like, am I doing it? Because I see this on TV. And no one corrected me. So in this, to this day, I was like, have I been doing it correctly the whole time? Because I just emulated. And no one ever said one, two. Like, no one's ever broken things down from a jazz one level. Yeah. What I saw is what I did. So when I started going to auditions, I just took it on like the way I would watch Soul Train or learn a routine. Because we would make up routines that were more street dance routine related. But my mind, when you're younger especially too, can take on choreography, whatever. So I was blissful in my ignorance with my approach to the entertainment. So your angle of the question, had I known <laughs> it differently, knowing the years of training and starting at age of four, Dolly Nichols, and then they went to the scholarship. Like if I had known the years put into it versus me showing up because it was in drama log, maybe that part of me would have overcome, you know, um, I do know the human side of me once I was on a roll and I kept getting jobs and then I'm hearing the dialogue during the gigs of where people came from, whatever. I did keep my mouth shut. And then I definitely have a personal relationship with God who I don't on any level think any of this thing, any of these wonderful things that happened would have been without him. He was acknowledged before I even went to the audition. He sometimes kicked me out of the bed to make me go to the specific ones because at some point I, I didn't like going auditions anyway, because it was just another energy. Yes. And I was complimented even at eight with auditions and still not get the job. Like you were such a joy to watch while you're packing your bag. You know what I mean? So there was never really a rhyme or reason. You knew whatever you end up doing doesn't mean you're going to get it. So then I had to fix my mind to say, okay, it's a lotto. And because I wasn't taking class at that time, I was like, oh, well, but I did see their video or I saw flash dance. I want to dance like Jeff Hornaday. So I'm going to go just for the dance class of it. But I would just keep booking jobs. So it was freaky because now I'm noticing that people did take class. I'm hearing the dialogue. So I'm thinking, is this going to be the job when I'm found out? I felt like I was the Milli Vanilli of dancers. Like they're going to find out. They're going to find out because they're going to pull out something that they all learned in class. And Sean's not going to be able to do it. That was what I, I was thinking they would find out. But if I was joining a ballet company, that is complete technical. I mean, I still imitated things when I would have to do the ballet thing before they did the cut. But I mean, like the intricate. Yeah. That would be a different story because that definitely, they all had to learn that. You know what I mean? Yes. But as far as the stuff that I did, because of things, so many things are stylized. I found out in hindsight, the advantage I had was that I didn't have a studio habit or way of dancing. So all I had was Jeffrey Hornaday as an example. So that's all I could imitate. And it's fun to emulate the style. So I would get the job because like what Helene says and all of them, they want to know that you can do their stuff. And the blessing of it, when I know God had his hand in all of it, is that I would get these gigs with these major people like Jaime Rogers and all, you know, the people. And then I wouldn't even see the people that were hired at the audition because they already knew who they wanted. They would just, out of their ego, show that I have a sad gig, I'm doing a film, I'm doing... I mean, and then legally, if it's union, they have to do the whole thing, but there weren't even people that were at the audition. It was this clique that can do his stuff. So I would always be the little exception, the little new kid in these little circles. And so it kept manifesting itself that led up to fame and all those things. Fame, every day there was a prayer because now you're on fame when you're actually 
emulating a life I never had because I was never at a school performing arts of any sort. So I didn't know what I was going to face every day because we had, we did a Bugsby Berkeley tap dancing number. We did ballet class. We did, we always had a theater number because, you know, we're putting on high school musical shows or whatever, swords. And so it was always an adventure every week. So I was prayed up yes. every week, not knowing what I'm going to get myself into because it's structured as something that I have never experienced. And I'm a little re- reacting it on a TV. Yes. So that was probably my biggest boot camp experience because it was two seasons of it. And it was with Jaime Rogers, who's like one of the most profound, but yet most difficult choreographers who doesn't listen, who doesn't count. He listens to the music and he's on, it was, his vision is amazing. Yes. Right? So challenging as the day. I was like, if I could say I was in the army and I did boot camp and when I finished, I was ready for the world. That would have been probably the hardest consistent experience on many levels, on even a level of just how to deal with the Hollywood version of a choreographer who you don't even know who's going to be when he comes in. Yes. You know what I mean? So on every level, I was prepared. But even then, I still made heaven on earth because he started acting like me. I made him laugh. I changed even the atmosphere with that, with the help of other dads that were humorous. But I think when he saw that I gave 150% and still could play and make it fun, he didn't know that that was possible. Yeah. He didn't know that that was possible at all. And when I first started with him, because he's known for not giving it up and he's known for making you feel like you can get fired in a minute. He told me really early on after we came back from the New York shoot, that he loved, like he loved me. And he said, the producers are watching you and you're doing a great job. Like it was a one-on-one. But not knowing, other than him complimenting me, I didn't know that was something that was rare. So then at some point he didn't know if I was gonna use, abuse my power because he's never surrendered that to anyone before. And he still saw that I wasn't comfortable. I was still 150%, but I had the best time ever. And I'm friends with the wardrobe. I'm not a bubble person. I need a lot of different energy. So I was a wardrobe, I'm the crew, I'm, you know. And then the even the celebrities were my friend. Then I started becoming a recurring actor because they found out that I could sing. So they were writing me in to have an excuse to sing and blah, 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 blah. But it was a wonderful ride with that undertone of the tension that it could have been that he gave. Yes, yes. I felt like I won that later. I wasn't in there to win it. I just had to set an atmosphere where I can learn. I had to set an atmosphere where I can enjoy. Because if I wanted to join the army, I would have joined the army. And he really was used to that that old school whipping, beating, yelling. He always had a young person with him to let you know that someone else can have your job. It was all that stuff. Yes. But I see things too sometimes, which has probably saved my life. I see people as characters. He was a character. He was that big, like a little hot tamale. And he was talented. So even when he would dance, I would cry laughing. He was like, what's your Because he was amazing. Even if he had to do the girl stuff and tip, I'd be cracking up. He never met a person like me that openly expressed the emotion that humanized him and made him laugh. You know what I mean? So it was like, I'm looking at that now as an adult, but even then, like, I'm just reactive and I'm sincere and I come in love. Yes. So the love thing, it's seen when it's consistent and they see it. You know what I mean? Yes. So it was so many magical things that happened in that, but I was taken seriously as a dancer. People thought I was a diva. He was intimidated by me. I found out later. Wow. He saw me me as a peacock. He saw me this proudness about me. He was intimidated by me. He had no idea how many, how much I had to pray and walk in faith every day. I walked into that 
MGM Studios. And so when I say God and resonating that and giving him the glory, and when the people say, oh, it's a God-given talent, but I'm like, ah, yeah, because I can't, if it happened any other way, and I was like, well, I, I served in Juilliard, and then I was, uh, you know, I do pray. That would be the credit I'd be giving. Of course, God gives us a talent anyway, but that would be more of the credit than me saying literally, <laughs> he did this. Yes, and yes. Later, I started training and met Helene and all that to refine everything. But even Helene's like, I don't think I ever taught you anything. I listen because I'm accidentally doing it correctly, but she's good at speaking. Doug Caldwell was good at speaking. So now I'm able to process it so it's not a mistake or it's not an accident. The alignment, up and over. Yes. Helene, you know, so I'm doing it, I'm keeping my balance. I'm like up and over, but now I'm articulating what she's saying. So now I'm like, it's, it's in my head. Yes. But you're saying as far as the fears or whatever, it feels weird because now because of the reality and now you're older, now you have a condo, now all these blessings happen because of this being my career, the human parts of it, because you have to keep it going. Yes. And but God keeps yeah. reminding me like, I'm the reason why you got this place. You asked for this specific and you got it. Like I manifest. Like you, so I can't ever question when COVID happened. That's probably the worst. Like, oh my God, everything's cut off. I'm on my way to, he was like, Sean. But when you don't know how he's going to make a way out of a no way or how yes, it's yes. Come, even though there's so many wonderful things, there's always a new situation and he just brings me out. It's just, the needs are supplied. And so it's just always been an adventure that way to see, like I just packed my surfboard. <laughs> yes. I was living life, packing my surfboard, you know, <laughs> and walking by faith, not by sight because nothing has made sense for the end result of where I am now. But enjoying the process, not putting dates on anything, and just being open and being ready when the opportunity comes is key. But I just, to enjoy the process, I see people that just think that's going to complete them when that particular thing happens. Yes. And you just want more and more and more. Yes. But getting to it has to be fun. The friends that you make in the process, the bubble the conversation, the food, the cheating, all that other stuff. People cut their lives off until that thing happens. They don't have friends. They don't have a foundation. They don't have anything. They just have that one thing. And who, how long does that last? You know what I mean? So I've been able to see both sides of it, but I just want to enjoy life at the same time. Uh, yes. But it sounds to me like, and we're coming around the bend to the end already, by the way, we have, this is what's what happens with you and me. Minutes, right? <laughs> <laughs> but right. there's a, I have like three, one that I finish every episode with that we're going to go with, but I've got two from what you just said that, you know, if you could try to give me kind of um, uh, little shortened up versions of, of answers to these two things. So, and they're big questions, so I'm sorry, <laughs> but what you said was so, that was so beautiful for you. And I'll, I'll make this more um, open for, you know, for folks that are listening, this could be interpreted as the energy behind life universe, whatever their interpretation is, whatever they believe. But it sounds to me like you have a deep, almost friendship relationship with your God that, that has given you a sense of freedom when you do, when you have the potential of getting caught up in your human self. 
Does that feel, does that feel right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that are unseen. So you got to have a hope. Can you say that one more time? Faith is the evidence of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. So you have to start off with the hope. So I'm not generated on myself thinking I have it all, whatever. I, this world is too amazing to not think there's a higher power. So it's open for discussion for whoever, whomever, yes. or whatever. But um, I think God wants us to have abundance. He wants us to be well. He wants us to be happy and secure. It's not like, oh, one day I'm going to go to heaven. Like there's a meantime and I got to have a wonderful life here. Right? The angels are protecting us. There's, you can get more out of, like if me and you are friends, but you don't think I can help you or don't even ask for help or money or whatever, you limit the friendship because you don't think I can do that. Maybe I'm just there for a laugh or maybe I'm just a movie friend. Or So sometimes I think people limit God. Everything that bad happens on the earth, they say it's an act of God. God has nothing to do with any of it. <laughs> people always think they're going to go to hell if they do things. So people don't even want to believe in God because everything's on a sin conscious level. And I'm like, I see everybody doing everything he told them not to do. And they're not happy. That's what he was trying to save you from, <laughs> including sex and all of it. So whether you follow it or not, that's on you, not him. Because I don't see people winning when they do the opposite. So you can structure it on any level, consciously or whatever. Things are natural, things are whatever. I don't know. But I'm just saying... <laughs> I just watched it all unfold. But what I do know is that I lost my parents at an early age. I do know that I tapped into them at an earlier age that was not normal. So that in hindsight, when they were gone, he was my parent. He took care of me. That's all I had to go by. So that's my only testament for me. I couldn't make mistakes and overcharge this and blah, 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 because my mommy and daddy were going to take care of me. Like I only had him to take care of. So I had to kind of tap into another spiritual realm of things, not a human realm, to have him direct my path and be open to that that level. I think things that happened to me were more on a supernatural level, not on a human normal level. I'm just saying you can get more out of anybody if you dare. If you, The more you learn about something or a person, the more you get out of them. The things I've learned about what he can do and be for us exceeds what some people that just stay on a surface level with him, they wouldn't dare to ask. They don't even know what to ask because if you don't learn about him, you're not going to know where you stand. You don't know what your position is. You don't know that he sees you as a king, a king's kid, if you don't know that he sees himself. You know what I mean? So any relationship, the more you know, the more you know (laughs) what not to put yourself into versus... (laughs) Yes what their capacity level is. And a lot of people have different capacity levels and people are putting them on a level that they shouldn't be on. And now you're mad at them because they didn't meet up to that level. Yes. yes. So I use God on that level and I proved him, like you said, you're going to do this and you, you said it in your words. So I called him on it. He wants us to call him on it, but he wants us to know it. And it's just been miraculous to me because people like to believe not to believe and they don't try to research. They just believe not to believe. And that's their belief, not to believe. So I want to know that it works. So I have to look at those eggs. It says two eggs, oil, cinnamon, stir it. And not look at the box and think it won't work. 
I'm going to apply the recipe myself and see how it works for me. And so it's my own relationship based on my faith, what I want to believe. You know what I mean? It's just personal. But it is definitely something that I say is my source. Some people were Buddhist, some people, whatever it's working, but I'm just saying he has definitely been my source. I cannot take credit other than just daring to meet him, daring to believe, daring to go forth and know that he's going to swoop me up. And not out of ignorance, because there's people that do it. You know, there's faith, there's foolishness, and there's presumption. So there's a way and a discernment of a way of doing things. But I'm just saying, yes, I can't take credit. Like, yes, I was just so great because I just walked into a class. They just did everything. Like, you know, there's just so much more to it. But like when I said when I was younger, I didn't know there was talent until I grew up and find out that people have their calling. So then it started resonating that this has to be something I should do if I can do it that way. You know, so... Yes. I gave it a try and this is the end result of it. And I'm still have desires and I'm still learning and still wanting to do more. And I just, if I died right now, I had a really good conversation with my friend, Jesse. You know what I mean? Hopefully people heard something to resonate from that, to help their life. Every moment is so wonderful to me. Consciously be it that way. Yes. Yes. And uh, when you have, and as I covered in the intro already to the, to the episode, you have done so much in your life career-wise and you have talked, we have had personal conversations around how you felt that that was even God led in and of itself, where you truly every step of the way have felt pulled. Now, for somebody who's kind of opening up their mind to that idea, what does that look and feel like to you? Is that an an idea occurs to you of that might be something I'd be interested in? And in your relationship to God, you go, okay, well, it sounds like you just gave me a a three by five index card of where to go next. Let me go see. Let me go see what 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 you're talking about. Is that right? Because you have to. Yeah, because kind of when you have the knowledge of that, it's still up to us to do the work. You don't just sit home and think he's going to just bring it out. You know, there's so many things when you're open and you put it out there, you make your requests made known, blah, 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 blah. You still seek, you still have yourself in a position to be ready for whatever happens. You still are meeting because you're kind of like, it's like the Easter egg hunt. So you're open and you're looking and you know, it's there, but then you don't know if that's going to be the connection that's going to make that manifest or whatever. You know what I mean? So you're kind of open because you're open and you're ready to receive, but then you have to be out there to know, is this going to make my game happen? Is this the person that can? And there's always something that leads you to think that's going to happen, but it takes you so far, but then someone else comes in and takes you further and something else comes. So it's just, the in hindsight, it happens, but when it's finished, when it's complete, you know, but it's just the journey of that. But I'm just saying, enjoying life and the process of all that too is important. It's just yes. you know, the in-between stuff people miss. Yes. And it's just, that's what you have to be conscious of too, you know, but yeah, when you're open and you have a request and you want it, you kind of do everything to, to your knowledge to make that happen. But that comes with people. All the blessings come with people, the connection of someone else that's going to, everything when you, before the interview, I was thinking, tying people to different people that made all these things happen from me being in high school graduating from Westchester. I would have graduated from Westchester had I not met the guy, Robert Gilmore, that was a choir director at a church that my cousins that started this off made me go to. He introduced me to the Ebony Showcase Theater where I met Karen White and all these people where we were at the Ebony, you know where we do the scholarship shows? Oh, yes. 
Now it was the Ebony Showcase Theater before it became the Hope. That's where I was like the latter part of high school, but it was just a summer program. That's when I was introduced to Molly, acting, dancing, and singing the whole thing. But had I not done that, I wouldn't have met Karen who told me when our schools closed down to go to Westchester. Then we did The Wiz there. I would have met Ren Brown that introduced me to Kim Fields because he saw our musical that thought I was amazing. And then that made, opened my door to Kim Fields and Chip Fields. You know, so it's just all these people that don't have anything to do with the business specifically that ends up tying you to that person, to the next person. You know what I mean? Like, it's just crazy if you really think the thread that put it all together. But if you're just home and you're not open. Yes. And it's, yes. it's like these people that are completely insignificant in the sense that you would never think. Kim Phil's never got me a job. Kim, Kim Phil's never got me on Facts of Life. And that's a big figure. It's someone in between that <laughs> introduced me to something for the next thing that happens. Yes. yes. So you don't know when you're open and there's conversation, there's love and there's exchange. That's the beauty if you live life, like live life that way. Yes. And it sounds to me like, I love you that you said Easter egg hunt, because it sounds to me like you also don't go out into the world with expectation. You go out into the world pure with this pure uh, wonderment and curiosity, just for the delights of life of like, I wonder how it's going to show up. Right. And you don't know how you're going to be a blessing to someone just to say hi and smile to someone at the cashier, whatever. You don't know. It's fun to be a blessing or a light for someone else. You don't know it. I remember my friend kind of has like angel devil in her sometimes. And she, we call ourselves, now that we're older, we have t- compliment Tourette's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good Tourette's to have. You can't help it. And sometimes we have the same taste as the, the same types of characters or people, men or women or both, or detail their, their salt and pepper hair on their skin or whatever. It was the whole thing. But sometimes she can get a little anxious because she likes a parade. Like if she does da 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 da, she wants someone to go da 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 da. And they don't even know you. You know what I mean? So then if she's with me, she'll fight against it because she's mad that that pretty girl, when we both acknowledged her, didn't give her the parade. But then in hindsight, to overcompensate for her anger because she just almost took it personally, she'll treat her and buy her pastry. And then the <laughs> woman's like, you have no idea what this means to me right now. I'm having the worst day and then that answers what I've been saying you don't know where people were before you and they're not responding the way that was so then and I speak that way so then she knew but she would still be able to on the we're on the same ride to be like yes but I saw her irritation because I'm carrying that because she's mad and taking it personally that the girl didn't give her parade back when she first acknowledged her you know what I mean but she was like I'm having the worst day of my life and this this meant so much to me thank you Wow. Experience. It wasn't about you, all that stuff tied into it. And I was there to witness it because I'm anxious because now I'm feeling her energy, getting mad at that. And and then she gave, surrendered to it and just like, you know, that's on me. Buy hers, I'm going to buy mine. Because she was frustrated, but then she's like, let me make it nice. But then when she articulated how awful her day was. Then she got it. Yes. You have said a couple of times through the, through our interview here, um, making heaven on earth. Did you just, with what you just kind of shared just at the end there, is that kind of, is that something that I, I, I doubt that you're somebody who walks around with a mantra in your head. Cause I right. just don't think that's the effort, the type of effort Sean Earl puts in. Right. But, no, um, that, it was definitely a sheer understanding of what I said when you talk about how I don't judge people or I welcome them or I, that, that part of it, I didn't take it on like my friend. 
and it was yeah. good to now have her do that to open up what was really going on the inside because it wasn't about you. Yes. My heaven on earth is ignoring what truly are the circumstances on this planet that's not good. <laughs> yeah. And that we're all woke to. And that's what my mother let me know early on. And I was like, well, that sucks. And I don't want to live knowing that or live being burdened by that. So my choice to make heaven on earth was to make it fun in spite of that. You know, it's like having an umbrella, even though it's raining and having the peace being under that and choosing friends and wonderful people that can rest in you and you can rest in them and be under the umbrella in spite of the racism of this and that and the misunderstanding of the amensota.coms and the bubble, all that stuff is not stopping. (laughs) So instead of getting caught up in it, it doesn't serve me to join the path of anger and bitterness and road rage and love. That's not fun to me. Yeah. That's cancer to me. That's just heavy. That's ugly. And I'm more sensitive to it than they are because I see it. I carry it differently. That wouldn't be healthy for me to live in that knowing it because that's just, I'm, I'm sensitive. Like It's almost like when they say someone wants to be able to read minds and then you hear all the conversations going on. Like, like It doesn't stop. If I'm in Colleen's class, all the energy doesn't stop. So when she's saying things, now I like whisper to you, I was like, because we don't know. There's, I'm, I'm bouncing on both ends. Yep. And I'm the one that supposedly looks good, but I'm like, I still have compassion for the way you guys are processing it because I feel all that and it's draining because I can't cut it off. Yes. But, so with that sensitivity comes me knowing the world that we're in. Yes. That would kill me if I sopped that up. So creating our own narrative and making it fun. Yeah. Having your friends and making a party out of it, you know, making good out of it, turning around, having fun with people, brightening their, you know, like, hey, do you work out? You know, I mess with people. Like, it's just fun. They're like, and they're like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just fun to just melt people's hearts that look like statues or we're out, we're human beings. It doesn't have to be just your family and that's it. And you just don't, talk to anybody until you get home like it's so people there's just so many wonderful moments you can have every day if you just smile or say something to someone yes oh my god all right sean we are at the final question and i mean honestly a lot of what we've talked about today already could be your answer to it but i'll ask you the more pointed version and you interpret it as you will all right i'm scared i'm scared (laughs) well actually before we say this part where what is your instagram so people can follow you and well sean earl i guess if you type in sean s-h-a-u-n-e-a-r-l you can find me it'll be just an eyeball looking at you (laughs) i see you i see you (laughs) and then sean evray it's the same spelling s-h-a-u-n and then e-v-e R-A-Y is like the, the screen name. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Girl. We'll also find I it. Because usually when people have their full name. Yeah. But I don't know. Sometimes you'll be in a city and there's more than one Sean Earl and I'm appalled. How <laughs> could there be? No, but um, <laughs> who else is Sean Earl? No, but um, you'll see the eyeball. Okay. Perfect. So they won't mistake it. It'd be yes. following one person. 
Yes, exactly. Yes. And for everybody listening, um, Sean is highly, highly entertaining to follow. No pressure, Sean, but he is highly entertaining with all of his videos and, and all the wonderful things. It's self-amusement. Then you'll tap into my childhood. Yes, had, exactly. Had these things been accessible in my childhood, I would have left the house and been the person <laughs> I am now, meeting people. Exactly. <laughs> all these carriages to play with instead. <laughs> Uh, okay, you wonderful human. Here comes the question. Okay. What moves you? What moves me? I mean, in a funny way, it's food because everyone knows I love food. Food. But, but kindness moves me so hard. I think when there is that, there's peace. And I'm usually not at peace unless you're at peace because of the feeling that I get when I'm, because I'm so connected that way that I just want people to have peace, you know, but when they're kind and they don't think ill feelings towards someone and the compassion stuff comes in, you know what I mean? Nice is different, kind is richer, you know what I mean? So that when people, like, you know what's crazy? I'm not going outside thinking, hi, I'm Sean and I'm kind. I'm just living my life, right? But when we had September 11th happen and it was traumatic, I was in my, my roommate woke me up and said, wrong way to wake a person up. But she said, the world's under attack. I'm like, you don't wake someone up and say that. But turn on the TV and then I was talking to a friend that was in New York and we saw the other airplane crash. So all that was traumatic. And I was like, oh my God, I felt like we were in a movie. It was horrible. It was like, Really? And then it was kind of like us. And I know people from Israel that they have their, they have their gear on. That's not, maybe not such a big building, but they're ready. They have the place, the shelter where they go underneath. That's like a lifestyle. But for us, the Americans, that was pretty traumatic. And then I had friends that I was checking in on. Luckily, we're all vampires, so no one was up that early to like be out and about. But I went outside later that day. It was the most beautiful, like clear blue sky. Like it was fantastic. And my heart was heavy because... I'm carrying that, right? But everyone was so nice. And it wasn't like I had to put forth ever to start the conversation. They were doing it to me. Because I noticed, in hindsight, like I'm usually the one that puts forth the effort or initiates and does that. But for it to be initiated and like the back and forth and the whole thing, and we didn't even talk about the towers. It was just the kindness and the awareness and people were woke. Or they're... They, they were literally woke. And I went to Gelson's and I came back and I'm like, I had the most beautiful day under the worst circumstances. And then all of a sudden I settled in. I'm like, it took a world disaster to wake people up for 15 minutes. And then I was like literally timing. When are we going to go back to cussing each other out and cutting in line and the aggression? So it was weird that I was trying to really enjoy the beauty and the kindness because of that moment knowing how it feels when they shut down again and they go back to their hustle and bustle and rushing. And the, it was weird. Like that was a little slice of heaven that I felt under those circumstances. And that was like oddly pleasing to be around people that way. Yes. That were conscious. Yes. That moved me. That, that was like, Beyond like if I would say like a music and dancing and 
dancing together in harmony. Like I can go there, but like on the real, real. Yes. That was like, everyone's having heaven on earth with me. I'm not by myself. <laughs> yes. All the people were awake. And yes. we were at the, the produce section. It was just like, it was sparkly, but I'm like, and I was like, where's the film that way? Because I'm like, we just got crashed into. And it finally dawned on me. I'm like, it took a disaster to slow us up. Just like I was outside for the pandemic, mostly. Thank God we're here to be able to be outside. So that was crazy because it was wonderful to see the various colors standing up for Black Lives Matter. And it wasn't like just a team of Black people. It was like to see, and we're blessed here to get to see it a little more, even though we still have pockets. We have Orange County. We have all these other areas that are still in their bubbles. But when I see everyone together in harmony, in loving each other and supporting each other, taking care of each other, that is like my heaven on earth. That's just, that moves me that when people are kind and it's just a good day because you met good people that gave back. You know what I mean? I keep money in my car for the people that are, they, they know how to rest at, the freeway off ramp, you know what I mean? Like just to be able to yeah, stay in touch and be in, t- you know what I mean? But like when everyone's kind of together and on one accord in the kind, peaceful manner. Yeah. That's what it's, a, that's what we should be like. That's what it should be. You know, we go outside and play and who are we going to meet next? Yes. <laughs> it's so fun, Jesse. It Tell is so fun. No, but it's so it- fun. It is so fun. And like you said, it's like, I kind of said the same thing that first week of COVID before we kind of knew, you know, we, we were all feeling that heat so much with, with politics and everything else too. That first week of COVID, Mm -hmm. that whole first week when, when nobody had kind of grabbed a stance on what they believed about all of everything going on, same thing happened. There was that beautiful kindness and oneness that I was mm-hmm. feeling with everybody. Right. And, um, disasters. Disasters. That's what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's what you guys are going to be my friend when there's a disaster. You know what I mean? It's good to know, but let's have fun now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. It's kind of like the same idea of when people hit their rock bottom, that's when they finally start listening to their true self. Mm-hmm. Or they call on God. Or they call on when God. the sun is shining, they're not thankful. They're not when they're blessed, all that. But then when things are tight or there's disaster, help. Yeah, exactly. It's the taking for granted things. Yeah. But yeah, it's conscious, being conscious, living each day. If it's this your last, it all sounds kind of whatever, but it is a constant practice because we are, seemingly racing to the red light all the time. And it's like, you know, the more you put into your life, the more you have to hustle to keep maintaining it and all that. So I try to keep my maintenance low so that I can enjoy. Cause if I was just doing too many things, even when it's work related, I'm such a one job at a time person. I hate juggling, even though it feels good. Cause people want to like, what are you doing? What are you? I've never been that person. I like to be happy with the job that I have, but I've never tried to overbook or over. I don't like, that's not peaceful to me. If you do make it, because there's people that I know that run late a lot, but the reward of them crossing the bridge and the thing just almost hit them, blah, 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 and they finally make it and they get their route. I mean, I think there's a reward to that. The process isn't as cute, but I think once you're there, there's a reward to it. But I just, I love things when there's an easier way to get to the destination. 
Yes. For me, I don't need the adrenaline. And even if you are that person, if you can be kind to people on the process, great. But I just, I just like things more calm and peaceful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And living consciously is something that I did not knowing that it was healthy. I just always saw it as a TV show. Like I'm, I'll see myself in the scenario and laugh. Like, how did you get yourself here? Like, I'm always conscious that way. There's very few times I've maybe have slipped. Maybe if we're doing a routine or we're in, you know, if you're just caught up in something where it's because of talent or you're caught up because you're watching a movie or something spectacular, I might slip under. But most of the time I'm aware and that's just been my nature. It's not like practice and because I read the book and blah, blah, blah. I just found out that that's a good way to be. And I'm like, I've been doing that all the time. Just like when I started taking acting, I was always aware. When they said, look and learn, I've seen characters all the time. I would go home and imitate them and make my cousins play with me. You know what I mean? We're going to play, now we're playing store and I'm going to act like the cash register, you know, cashier. <laughs> and you know, so, and then when you go to acting class, you're like finding out all these things that you're supposed to do to make you aware. And I'm like, oh, I'll, already five steps in, you know what I mean? So a lot of things I've been doing naturally, even the way I danced, but hearing it confirms you're on the right path. So a lot of things with books and Oprah and Dr. Phil and all things, when I would listen to these things, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it felt home more so than learning. It confirmed my existence more so than like teaching me to do something. Yes. So then there ties in the old soul part, whatever that's supposed to mean, because I always heard that too, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there you have it. <laughs> Sean Earl, thank you so much for joining us on What Moves You with Jesse. <laughs> oh, thank you so much again, dear friend. You're welcome. Love you. Wonderful. Love you. And right. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to What Moves You with Jesse. Let's stay connected. You can find more ideas and strategies on being human on my Instagram at what moves you with Jesse. Sign up for my newsletter or learn more about working with me at what moves you with And please rate and review the show and let us know what you think and what resonated. I read every single review. They mean so much to me. You can also call in on our hotline with your thoughts on what resonated there too. It is always live at 818-646-JESS. That's 818-646-JESS. What Moves You with Jesse is produced by Mike McGraw and Tinker City Music. Now, let's take a deep breath and give ourselves permission to live in this moment for what truly moves you.